So did you come uh, expecting to get something tonight? Did you come expecting to, to learn? Okay, but now watch this now. Once we hear the word, we're responsible for the word that we hear. So let's purpose in our heart tonight that we're just not going to be listeners. We're just not going to be hearers. Uh, because the things that we're talking about, it's this message that we started last Wednesday, and we're going to finish it tonight. Um, we're going to finish it tonight. Um, it's, it's a, it's, as much as it's based on the word and it is spiritual, it's practical. Now remember something. Remember, we talked about this a number of times over the years. When we pray, we don't get answers. We get instructions. Understand that. Maybe, you're not, maybe you haven't realized it. We don't, get, we don't get an immediate, here it is. We get instructions. And so with the topic that we're dealing with tonight about freedom, how to stay free, how to stay free in our minds, how to stay free from uh, life-controlling habits, life-controlling issues, many people prayed, oh, God, please deliver me. God, please, uh, I want to be free from this situation, from this problem. And, and you think that it's going to be like, and that's it. But I don't know if you've realized this. There are no magic wands in the kingdom of God. Right. Amen. Amen. Amen? We receive instruction. The word of God is a book of instruction. When we follow the instructions, Jay, um, can you find Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 8? Um, when we pray, we receive instruction to eliminate the problem or to get direction or to receive peace and maintain our peace. Um, and, and I can't think of a better verse of scripture than this one to kind of demonstrate this fact. So, so what I'm saying is tonight as we learn, okay, we're going to see that there are instructions that we're to follow from the word of God in order for us to not only obtain our freedom, but to hold on to our freedom. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. What translation is that, Jay? No, I don't like that one. Give me the New King James. I mean, for this particular scripture, I don't like that one. Keep, keep going. It's not good? Well, I, I can, I can kind of ad-lib the first part. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Read this with me now. That you may what? Observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So do you see what I'm talking about? Whatever you pray about, whatever situation you're facing, we want to go to God and go, God, just make it disappear. And there's times when sovereignly stuff happens like that. But for the most part, it's going to be that process. You're going to take the word of God. You're going to put it in your mouth. You're going to, you're going to memorize it. You're going to speak it. You're going to release the power of that word into your life. And then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have great success. Are you listening? He teaches us how to proceed. The Holy Spirit will take the word of God and teach you how to apply it to your life. Because the power of transformation is not in the waving of a wand. The power of transformation is how we get transformed by the word of God. 
as the word of God begins to replace our worldly ideas about things, then we start walking, we start talking, we start living according to the word of God. But you see, it's all about replacing. So you can't just take something away. You've got to also put something in its place. Amen? Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we started out with last week. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm then. So to stand firm means I have to have a good foundation, right? To stand firm, I have to have a good foundation. I've told you the story over the years of the house that we used to own in Seaside Park. We bought the house, what year was it, Park? 86. 86. And then we found out that there was problems. Of course, it's always after the closing that you find out there's problems. <laughs> and what we would do was we'd be sitting in our living room, and the washing machine would be running. Now, we, there was a three-story house. First floor was a, 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 a semi-basement apartment. In other words, you stepped down two steps, and you had a full apartment downstairs. Then we had the second floor and the third floor. Third floor was all the bedrooms. Second floor was living room, dining room, bathroom, laundry room, and then the kitchen. So we'd be sitting in the living room, and the washing machine would go on rinse. And all of a sudden, I said, here, why does it sound like there's water running underneath the house? And sure enough, after a few times, he went and looked. And she went, they never attached the washing machine drain to the, to the, drain, to the sewer it was running underneath the house because it was a, uh, what do you call that? Not a basement, a crawl space. And that led to the demise because then we realized that we literally bought the house that was built on sand, the one that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7. We literally bought the house that was built on sand. So what happened? Now, you have no confidence in this house. Why? Because it does not have a firm foundation. And that's how many people's lives are. And that's why Jesus used the illustration that he did. So in order to stand firm then, you've got to know that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. You have to know that we're not supposed to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, you know what a yoke is? Yes. We're, not, we're not talking about eggs. Eggs. Excuse me. My wife goes, why do you pronounce it like that? Eggs. Eggs. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. That's not what that's talking about. Otherwise, it would be Y-O-L-K. This yoke is something that binds you together to another. In other words, we use it for animals. You would take a, a mature animal, a trained animal, and you would put it together with one that was what they would call a greenhorn, one that did not know what they were doing. And the smarter animal, Brian, come and sit down. You're making me nervous back there. Some of you got alarmed because they did that. Not you, them. Like, what? Well, how could he talk to him like that? Can I tell you another story? Forget about this one because this one's better. <laughs> how many have ever heard of a, an evangelist? Well, now she's more of a prophet. It's called Juanita Bynum. Yes. Let me see your hands. Who knows who Juanita Bynum is? Okay. She tells a story, okay? That's why you can't get... Your feelings hurt when stuff happens like this, right? Now, I know he wouldn't, but he was making me nervous pacing back and forth. So one time, Juanita talks about how she was in a service with thousands of people. 
Okay, and she was in the Church of God in Christ, okay, Pentecostal denomination. And she said, she noticed at one point that now in the Church of God in Christ, I don't know how it is now, but, you know, you're talking three, four-hour services. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And so she noticed at one part in the service, all these people started getting up and going to the bathroom. And she looked, and she felt the need, so she got up. When she got up, the bishop on the platform said, Juanita, sit yourself back down in front of thousands of people. And still others got up, left the room, came back. He didn't say anything. So after the service, he called her over. He said, I know you, you have the opportunity to get offended, get your feelings hurt. He said, but I signal you to sit down because you have something that they don't. And it don't matter if they get up and go to the bathroom. But with you, it matters. So. We're good? Amen. Praise the Lord. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, you were in bondage before. Jesus sets us free. And I don't know what it is about us and our human nature. We keep sniffing around back to where we came from to try to see how close we can get to it without getting grabbed into it again. And inevitably what happens? You get right back in it again. I got one amen. amen. A couple of people still wondering. Okay. So, so, so this, is the, this is the thread of the gospel all throughout the word of God. Is the concept of freedom. John 8, 36 says, oh, if the son sets you free, come on, say it like you know it and you mean it. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, in fact, you will be free. Amen. And the idea is for us to not be controlled by sin, not be controlled by flesh, and not be controlled, and this is one that we don't talk enough about, not being controlled about with unresolved wounds. And you and I would be shocked, I think, if we really truly understood how many times our personalities, our character, our lifestyle, the way we carry ourselves, the decisions that we make, the directions that we go in, really are a reflection of wounds that are unresolved. And we need to get free from that. Amen? Amen? Amen. Proverbs 25, 28. I'm just, just renewing, just reviewing here. Proverbs 25, 28. I love this scripture. And I read it to you from the Amplified. Like a city that has no... Well, my, my translation is different. Let me read mine. I like mine better. Like a city that is broken down without walls, leaving it unprotected, as a man or a woman who has no self-control over his spirit and sets himself up for trouble sets himself up for trouble. Can we talk about this for a moment? Sets himself up for trouble. So, Pastor, how can a person set themselves up for trouble? Nobody really wants trouble. No, they don't realize you're doing it. You don't realize you're doing it. For instance, for instance, okay? Now, I'm not saying this is you. I hope it's not. But I've noticed in 25 years of pastoring and 38 years of being a Christian that people will come to a church with a chip on their shoulder. Don't look around. (laughs) People will come to church with a chip on their shoulder. And because they had a bad time at the church that they were at before they came to you, or they came to to the church that you're in, now they come in with the attitude like, let's see how you're going to hurt me. 
Let's see what you're going to see. Let's see how you're going to be trained. And I had somebody many years ago come to me and say, your pastors are all the same. Blah, blah. I said, hold on, honey. I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know what your experience was where you came from. And truthfully, you'd probably be better off going back there because you're not free from there. Now, don't come over here and take your stuff out on me because I didn't do, I didn't hurt you. I didn't betray you. I didn't take your money. I didn't do anything. So far, I haven't gotten anything out of you. Okay? So stop looking for trouble. Now, does a person want to be that way? Of course not. But you see, because of an unresolved wound, the natural tendency is to go to a default of like, let's see how you're going to hurt me. You're listening. And that's why even like when you go from relationship to relationship, you've got to make sure that you're free. Otherwise, you'll do the same thing in that, this relationship that you did in the other relationship. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came out tonight? So like a city broken down without walls, leaving it unprotected as a man who has no self-control. So what is this telling us? I need to have self-control over my spirit, over my soul, okay? I need to have self-control over my thoughts because if I'm not, I'm going to be like a city with no walls. In other words, there's no protection. There's no defenses. Have you ever been around somebody, and I pray to God that if you have been this person that you've gotten delivered from this, that lets every influence that's around them penetrate their hearts and influence them and flavor them and taint them and poison them. You know anybody like that? Got to be careful. I don't mean careful in being burdened. I mean, you've got to be very much alert of who you let speak into your life. Hallelujah. All I need is to see somebody come to this church about four or five times and I can tell them right away who they are. I can tell right away who they are. I'll tell you why. Like spirits attract each other. I saw a pastor talk about this uh, about a month ago. And uh, was saying, he said, I, I, watch, I could watch my, my church congregation. Now, I better turn around when I say this one. <laughs> he said, if I know that I have a known gossiper in the congregation and I see a newcomer come in and in about two weeks they're attracted to the known gossiper, guess what? They're a gossiper. You listening to me? So now if you don't want to be that, then stop hanging around with that kind of person. But you see, if you're not willing, now this is another part of of staying free in our minds, is being honest about ourselves. It's taking an honest inventory. And listen, I don't, 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 you know, we all know, we know our sin. We know our sin. I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals our weaknesses. Because you see, if you know your sin, oh, this is good. If you know your sin, but you don't know your weaknesses, you're always going to fall into sin. You getting that? You want me to say it again? If you, you, you can know your sin, but if you don't know your weaknesses, you're always going to fall into sin. Because you'll know the sin, but you can't, that you, and this is what you do. In the middle of the sin, you go, how did I get here? How did I get here? Well, you see, you didn't recognize your weakness. You think the Holy Spirit knows our weaknesses? You think Jesus knows our weaknesses? Yeah, we're told we have a high priest that is touched with all those things but never sinned. 
He knows what it's like. Amen. Let's move on. So, steps to freedom. Again, this is kind of review. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How does the victory come? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we talked about last week about having a plan for victory. Now, most people very much have a plan for failing, uh, which is ties into not knowing the weaknesses. If you don't know your weaknesses, you don't know what to stay away from. Yeah, but I'm strong now, Pastor. Okay. Come back and see me in about two or three months. But most people do not have a plan for victory. And here's one of the reasons why. I found myself years ago praying this a lot for people when they would come up for prayer. That they would have an expectation for good. Now, we've been through a lot over the past few years, haven't we? Many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us have lost jobs. Some people have lost houses. And we've just, many people have suffered loss. And when that happens a lot, you start getting used to it. And that's not a good thing to do. And so the more you get used to having tragedy, you know, like you meet somebody, how you doing? Well, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. You know, when, by the time you get to that point, you need to get born again again. I'm not being funny. I'm, I'm telling you. Check your heart and see, do you live with an expectation for good or do you live with an expectation for harm, for evil, for tragedy, for chaos? Listen, I've met plenty of people like this. I'm sure you have. They're so used to tragedy in life, they do not have an expectation for good. So now watch this. this is, that's dangerous in itself, but it gives birth to something that's more dangerous. When you live your life without an expectation of good, like, what's the use of me praying? And never, no, I get, God never answers my prayer. What's the use of me hoping? I'm always getting disappointed. That's not true. It can't be true, because otherwise you'd have been dead a long time ago. Okay? But when you live like that, now watch this now. If you're in the habit of speaking that way, and don't point to anybody, if you're in the habit of speaking that way, your ears are constantly hearing this, so now your mind goes, don't even think about anything good. You've got to have a plan for victory. What are you going to do when, you, when your issues are resolved? What are you going to do when your body gets healed? What are you going to do when the addiction is broken? Do you have a plan? Because it's that plan that's going to keep you going towards the victory. Amen. And listen, you cannot, how can I word this? You cannot say that you're in faith if you don't have a plan. Because faith prepares. You, you know, most of you are not getting this. If you say you're in faith, you have a plan. If you don't have a plan, don't tell me you're standing in faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet. I always like to add the yet on the end of it. Not seen yet. So check yourself. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Hey, when this is over, when this season is over, when I'm finally free from this thing, this is what I'm going to do. Now watch you. When you start talking like that, God says, step into it now and you'll see the freedom. Amen. Why? Because if you're in faith, you prepare. Yeah. Amen. You listen to me? Told you this story. When we were in Bible school, 
26 years ago, 27 years ago, okay? New beginnings did not exist yet. New beginnings began to exist in the natural. It always existed in the heart of God, and it existed here since 94, okay? But New Beginnings' first official church service was September the 14th, 1997, okay? But watch this now. Two years before, we're sitting in, in church services at Rama Bible Training Center at the church, gigantic place, okay? Uh, sits 9, 10, 11,000 people, okay? Full, all right? And we're sitting there, and when it came time for the offering, my wife would fill out the envelope on behalf of our family. I would fill out an envelope on behalf of New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Now, if anybody would have went and looked up in the state of New Jersey, where is this nonprofit called New Beginnings Christian Fellowship? They wouldn't have found it. It didn't exist in the natural. Where did it exist? By faith it existed. And so by me, uh, my thing was, if I'm in faith, I'm going to take steps of faith, right? So if I'm in faith, and I truly believe that God's called me to start a church in Brick, New Jersey, named, New, that time it was New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, then I should be tithing on behalf of New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. You listening to me? Take steps of faith. Take steps. That internet, that's why we talked about what we talked about before. Okay, explain that to your son, okay? You take steps of faith, okay? Uh, many years ago, again, I don't know why we're off on this, but I'm following this trail because somebody needs to hear this, all right? Many years ago, I was just talking about this recently. Uh, when we first started the church, we had a family who had a child who, um, I don't really know how to classify the condition. I don't, it was not Down syndrome. It was, seemed like a little bit even more severe than autism. I don't know what it was, okay? We're talking many years ago. And so this child, um, at that time, was 10, 11, 12, okay, at the primary learning center, okay? And at that time, the, the school there where we were meeting let us use the classroom for the kids. Well, this kid would get into this, this um, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, and tear the whole classroom up. Rip stuff off the walls that the teachers put up. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get thrown out of the school. And so, obviously, then, that was Sunday, Monday morning, ring, the phone rings, okay, it's the principal, you need to come and talk to us. And we would explain the situation. So this went on for quite a while. And then one day, on a Sunday, now here's the crazy thing, not crazy thing, here's the supernatural thing. Whenever that young lady, at that time, what I'm thinking of, she's probably about 13, 14, when she would come up for prayer, her face would totally change and she'd become 100% normal. I swear to you as I'm standing here. I would lay hands on her, whoever was praying for her, she would snap, her eyes would clear up, she would snap out of it. By the time she got home, right back to where it was. So now, once this happened and when they threatened to throw us out of the school, I said to the mother one Sunday, do you believe that your daughter's healed? Yes. You believe that God has healed your daughter, 100%. Then why don't you treat her like a healed daughter? Now watch this now, it would sound harsh to you, right? Well, how dare you? No, wait a second. If you believe the child is healed, then a healed child does not tear up a classroom. Yes or no? Yes. And so I said, when are you going to start acting like your daughter's healed? What do you think happened? Got offended, left the church. 
To my knowledge, that kid never came out of it. <coughs> Why? Because if you say you're in faith, then you act like you're in faith. You see what I'm saying? Now, that applies to what we're talking about here. Because if we believe that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, then we, from, listen to me, we now from our spirit who came alive by faith speak to our soul and say, excuse me, a free person doesn't act that way. Amen. You listen to me? Okay, now, it might not work the first time, but at some point, your soul is going to be so used to hearing that and because your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Your mind is where you make decisions. Yes or no? Yes. So now once your mind is used to hearing that, that a free person doesn't act that way, a born-again person doesn't act that way, you see what I'm saying? Yes. Now you start to, what Jesus said in the Gospels, you begin to possess your soul. Yes. Not having your soul possess you. Yes. You listening? Yes. Well, uh, pastor, it's just my, uh, you know, I'm uh, a Sicilian. We have bad tempers. No, no, no. Your body is a Sicilian. Your spirit is born again. Well, pastor, it's my Irish temper. No, no. Your body's Irish. Your spirit is born again. So you, you want me to go any other ethnicities here? You understand my point? Separate the natural you from the spirit. The spirit is who got born again. Now, if you yield toward, man, this is so different. How am I going to finish this tonight? I'm still in the review. No, I don't want to come back next week. I want to take next Wednesday night off. Watch this now. If you lean towards the spirit, you're going to manifest what? Spiritual things. You're going to walk in righteousness. If I yield to my flesh, my body, okay, if, if my mind, will, and emotions go, nah, we're going to go this way, then you start acting like an unsafe person. You start hanging out with people that are going to be a bad influence. They, that influence starts getting on you. I mean, this, is, this isn't rocket science. Whichever way you yield, whoever you yield to, is what you're going to manifest. And let me tell you something, okay? I'm not, I'm not divisive here, but I keep going back to the same thing because I have seen good, great, honest, good-hearted, God-loving individuals hang around with the wrong people, listen to the wrong stuff, and get their hearts polluted. And sometimes it would take years to get that stuff out of your system. You listening to me? And the more, a per I don't need to go there. All right. So we talked about having a plan for victory, having an expectation for good. Okay. Now, when I said that before, did it pop up in some people here tonight that that's exactly what's happened over the past few years? You stopped having an expectation for good. You, you want to be transparent and open. Let me see your hands if that was you, that you realize now the rest of you are not telling the truth. Uh, you realize now that you really have not had an expectation for good. You're so used to tragedy hitting you. You're so used to always being beat up. You're so used to always being whatever that you, you literally, literally backed off on believing for anything. I'm going to pray for all of us. 
those of you that know that's you, get a hold of it, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, you're the God of all hope. And you're the God of all comfort. And Father God, you know the end from the beginning. You know exactly the things that we're going to face in life. But Father, you also know the victories that you've got planned for us. And so Lord, tonight, I pray for a restoration of an expectation for good. An expectation that you're going to move in our lives. An expectation, Father God, that you're going to snap chains, Father. An expectation you've got miracles right on the other side of the next obstacle, Father God. And we're pressing in. We're pressing in. Come on, say that with me. We're pressing in. Yeah, we're not satisfied where we are. We're pressing in. We're going past that obstacle. We're going to go around it. We're going to go over it. We're going to go underneath it. We're going to bust through it. Because we know. Even as David said, we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We receive that tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, let's get, let's get past this here, okay? Uh, I read this last week, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. You can speak to fevers. You can speak to physical conditions. You can speak to atmospheres. All right? So he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she laid there and watched television all day. What does it say? What does it say? She got up. At once. She didn't milk it. She didn't say, well, you know, uh, maybe you should do the dishes tonight. I'm still a little weak. She got up when? At once. And began to do what? Wait on that. How? Why? How did this come about? Because I'll guarantee you that in her heart, she's laying there going, man, as soon as I get better, I'm going to cook this Jesus the best meal I could possibly make. She had a desire to be a blessing. And the sickness came to interrupt that and to to distract her. But she had a plan. Let me ask you this question. Now, I know know there's some of us in here that got some major, major obstacles in our life. Do you have a plan of how your life is going to proceed once that obstacle gets obliterated out of your life? Because you see, the longer you lived with that obstacle, the less of a plan you probably have. And some people will lay there and just for all the life, this is, I guess this is, just, this is just the way it's going to be. I guess this is my cross to carry. No, Jesus carried the cross. Jesus carried your suffering. Jesus carried those obstacles. Jesus carried the bondages. Jesus carried the slavery. Jesus carried those issues, whatever you want to call them. He carried them. Okay? Now, When they nailed it to the cross, it says that he carried all of our sickness, all of our disease. But watch this now. Before he went to the cross, he was in the garden. And in the garden, he suffered emotionally. Major, major nervous breakdown. To the point where his blood vessels begin to burst. And that's where the blood came. That's where his... Blood mixed with tears, blood from a severe nervous breakdown. 
See, the devil would have you lie to you and say, well, you know, Jesus took care of your physical problems, but these mental issues, oh, that's just you. These emotional things, that's just you. Or better yet, we'll plant seeds of division in your life. Well, this is because your mother treated you this way. This is because your father treated you. This is because your teacher in school treated you. This is because your friends treated you. This is because your, your spouse, your friend, your this, your anybody. And now all of a sudden, now not only are you tormented, now you're paranoid about everybody that's around you. By his stripes, you were healed physically. By, by the Garden of Gethsemane experience, you've been set free emotionally. He took it all. He battled in his heart over these emotions. Amen? Amen. So, what's your plan? What are you going to do when you get free? And why are you waiting? Because as we talked about at length before, faith prepares. Faith takes steps to prepare. Before I opened my restaurant many, many years ago, probably the year before that, I sat down and started writing menus out. Why? Step of faith? You listening to me? You apply that to whatever you, you got going on in your life. Amen? Amen? You take steps of faith. You prepare. What are you preparing for? Are you preparing for nothing? Guess what? You're going to get nothing. What's your plan? Oh, oh, I can't, I can't Pastor, because I sinned today. And you're not going to sin tomorrow? We're waiting for that perfect day when everything is going real good. And then about five minutes to midnight, you do something and blow the whole day. Yes or no? But thank God, me like you, I've prayed that prayer many times. Father, I can't wait for the morning when your mercies are new. (laughs) I'm going to sleep right now so that the first sunlight I see in the morning, I can claim those new mercies. Great is your faithfulness. You listening to me? Don't let the devil trick you to just get, well, maybe next week. You know what? Maybe when you're doing better with God. You know, maybe when you memorize a few more scriptures. Or maybe when you develop a prayer life. Or maybe when you start uh, helping at the food pantry. Or maybe, then, then maybe God's going to see that you're doing good and then you could start making plans. No, no, make plans now. Amen. Amen. Some of the most effective ministry comes on the heels of failure. And that's God's mercy. You listening to me? The Apostle Paul called himself the worst sinner of all, and yet God used him to reach most of the Roman Empire. One man. Don't let your imperfections be an excuse not to follow God. I'm going to say it again, and then I got another story. Do not let your imperfections be an excuse not to follow God. When we were in Bible school, is that an angel? What is that? Um, when we were in Bible school, now the second year of Bible school, um, in the beginning of the, of the second year, you're, you're sent a uh, communication d- during the summer, be prepared on September 7th, let's say, you're going to preach at uh, the Bible school and you're going to preach in front of your class, which struck terror in the hearts of everyone. <laughs> so now they ruined the summer for you because all summer now... <laughs> You feel like you got this sword hanging over your head because when you walk into classes September the 7th in the morning, you got to get up there and preach. And so um, 
I happen to sit towards the front of the class, and the front row of the class gets to critique the person who's preaching. And you know, you want to be merciful because you're going to be up there someday too, all right? And so this young man, young African-American man, happened to come from the Trenton area in New Jersey. Now, we're out in Oklahoma. You don't run into too many people from New Jersey out there. So I took note, and this young guy, he didn't just preach a message. He ministered to the crowd. I mean, the anointing that was on his life, I immediately wrote his name down and put a note, have him speak at your church in a couple of years, okay? Now, we fast forward to the end of that first year, you preach again. And hopefully, you're better than you were in the beginning of the year, okay? So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I don't see this young man getting up to preach. And so one day, we were in an assembly, assembly class, and uh, I saw him sitting over, and I went and talked to him. I said, hey, bro, what, when are you going to preach, man? I'm looking forward to it. No. I asked to be excused. Why? Well, God and me are really, I'm not really in with God that much. I said to him, what the heck has that got to do with it? It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. He didn't receive it. Never got up to preach. Obviously never saw him again. What a waste because somebody believed a lie. Now, I remember before we started the church, and again, these memories have come back because we're getting ready to celebrate the 25th anniversary. Now, we started the church on September the 14th. Well, we launched the church on September the 14th. Two weeks before that, I'm talking to Pastor Dave DeMola from Faith Fellowship. How many remember Pastor Dave? Awesome. He said to me, Joe, there's going to be Sundays where you and your own self are not going to feel qualified to get behind that pulpit. He said, get behind there anyway. And you lean on the grace of God. And you watch God minister to your congregation through an imperfect vessel. Are you listening to me tonight? Because some of you, the devil's been lying to you that you can't do this and can't do that, can't do the other thing. When you're not as holy as this one and, you know, you're still messed up in this area and stuff. Don't you dare listen to those lies. They are tricks of the enemy to get you stuck where you are. 50 years from now, should you live that long, you'll still be stuck in that same thing because you believe that lie. Do not let your imperfections stop you from following the plan that God has for your life. You learning anything tonight? So come up with a common sense plan. Start the day off right. How many of you know the difference between when you get up early in the morning, you start the day, you get in the word, you pray, you spend time with God, and compare to the days where you just jump out of bed, put your shoes on, and run? There's a big difference, is there not? It's common sense, isn't it? Okay? So, Lamentations chapter 3, I quoted this before, really. Verse 22. This is in the King James Version. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. New every morning. Say this with me. Thank God. Tomorrow morning, I got a whole load of God's mercy waiting for me. Another scripture says he daily loads us up with his blessings. Daily. Doesn't take a day off. Daily. Say daily. daily. And he's faithful to do it. 
Psalm 63. What are we talking about? Having a common sense plan. You want to stay free? You're going to have to choose a path. You're going to have to choose a plan. Get up 15 minutes earlier. Go Go to bed 15 minutes sooner so you can get up earlier. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, no, he's talking to you, not me. (laughs) You just got that, huh? Psalm 63, verse 1. You ready for this one? Oh, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land. Man, if planet Earth right now doesn't qualify for that, it's a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. And we used to sing this song years ago. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Can we divert for about 15 seconds here? Why do you think we do this when we're in worship? Psalm 63. I'm going to lift my hands to the Lord. Why? Because that's what he said he wants me to do. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Church I came from, we didn't do that. Not my fault. God says, now listen to me seriously, you're going to learn. This is a practical thing. Why? Because worship will help you stay free. Worship is one of the strongest tools you can use to stay free from the torment of the enemy. You get in the presence of God in worship. I mean, really get in the presence of God. He'll snap things off of you. You'll walk out of that thing free. It would take you 10 years with a counselor to get to that point. Because of your loving kindness, I'm going to lift my hands. Thus will I bless you. Go back to that. Go back. Thus will I bless you. In other words, this is how I'm going to what? Bless you. How? I lift up my hands in your name. Seriously speaking, I know some of you are not comfortable. It's not about being comfortable. It's about being obedient. I know. I was just like you. When I walked into a church like this, when all these people lift their hands, oh, these people are crazy. And then after a couple of weeks, it was, I was doing one of these, you know. <laughs> then, you know, you know, hold on to yourself with this hand and then. <laughs> and then about two months, man, full blown. Just, not, not only with the hands up, tears, tears run. But I walked out of that place free. You listen now. So let me let me stick with this because because you know some of you going yeah 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 pastor and Sunday you're gonna go. (laughs) Listen to me. It's about what he likes. It's about what he likes, and I've used this illustration because I've yet found a better one. Whose birthday? Well, you, your birthday's today. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Everybody say happy birthday to Trina. Happy birthday. Now, watch. What kind of cake do you like? I know you're not eating that right now, but what kind of cake do you like? 
Strawberry shortcake. So now if I know you like strawberry shortcake, but I show up at your house with a German chocolate cake because that's what I like, did I honor you? You see my point? Did I, if I honor you, even though I may be allergic to strawberry, I'm not, but what if I, I'm still going to bring you strawberry shortcake. Why? Because it's about you. It's, your, it's what you like. And that's what worship is like. It's not about us. We don't come here to be entertained. If you are, you're going to leave disappointed. It's about him. And he says over and over again throughout the book of Psalms that we're to lift our hands up to him and praise him and worship him. It's about being obedient. You listening? Stand up, everybody. Lift them hands up. Right, this is practice. Oh, God. Somebody's going, oh, man, I feel like I'm dying a thousand deaths. <laughs> Lift up those hands and say this with me. Father, Father thus, will I bless you. thus will I bless you. I will lift, I will lift up, my hands up my hands in your name. In your name. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of, my praise. You're worthy of the worship. There is no higher God than you. Therefore, Receive my worship. Receive my, worship. Receive my respect. Receive, my respect. Receive, the, honor. Receive the honor. My affection. My, affection. my, adoration. my adoration. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. In, Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands down. Look, don't, 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 don't. No. Watch this now. Didn't that feel good? Yes. Didn't that feel good? Yes. God knows what he's doing. Sit down. Thought you were getting out early, huh? <laughs> you and I both know that our best days are when we seek God first thing in the morning when we wake up. And we start off with maybe lifting our hands, maybe just filling our, our mouth with praise. Father, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you. For, Father, there's so many that, that woke up dead this morning. They didn't wake up, but they were found. <laughs> They were found dead this morning. <laughs> oh, Lord. You understand my point? Thank you that I'm in my right mind. Thank you that I can breathe on my own. Thank you that I can, thank you that I can put these. I might have to help them, but thank you I can put my feet on the floor. Thank you. Thank you. You watch how you set the course for the day. And you want to know something? God can't do that for us. We have to do it. You, you listening? Yes. We do. It's an act of our will. I will bless the Lord. I will praise his holy name. I will lift up my hand. What is it saying? In other words, I'm causing my will to come in alignment with the desire of God. I will. David, the psalmist, knew this firsthand. He knew that he had to talk to his spirit, his soul, in order to set things right. And when he knew he wasn't feeling right, he'd say something like, why are you downcast on my soul? Speaking to his soul. Trust in God, for yet shall I see, and blah, blah, blah. You add whatever you want. Well, you know, I'm just cranky anymore. Stop being cranky. 
What are you saying? That there's something else that controls your life? Well, it's just how I am. You know, I'm not a morning person. Become a morning person. I'm not a night person. Become a night person. Paul said, become all things to all people that you might influence some. Stop this stuff. We put ourselves in bondage with our own words. Hallelujah. You see what I'm talking about? Practical. Practical. Too many Christians are walking around looking for a magic wand. Too many Christians are walking around waiting for somebody else to, to, to break something off of them. You have authority. Now, listen, we're born again now. We have authority. Now think about this. People in the Old Testament weren't born again. People under the first covenant did not have the authority that you and I have. Yet, yet, some of them exercised more self-discipline, possessed their souls better than some people now in this church age. And their spirit wasn't alive unto God. You listening? Samson wasn't born again. He could have avoided a lot of problems, though, but he allowed his flesh to determine where his soul was going. Now, compare him to Joseph. I'm not talking about Jesus' father. I'm talking about Joseph back in the book of Genesis. Okay? When given the opportunity to be lured into the bed of his master's house, he said, how can I do this thing against God? And how can I do this thing against my master? In other words, my master has given me control over everything he has except you. He said, how could I sin against my master? He's not born again. He couldn't pray in tongues. He couldn't, he couldn't say, Holy Spirit, rise up and me, help me. No, no. You understand what I'm saying? Yet, he had the authority and walked in such a reverence and holiness. And this is where I was going with this message, but we're not going to finish it tonight. I've had this thing rise up in me from time to time over the, probably the past 20 years. And I would hear this saying on the inside, the beauty of holiness. There is a beauty to holiness. Say, well, this sounds like mystical. No, no, listen to me. Let's bring it to the practical. Let me ask you this question. Now raise your hands. Don't blink. Don't grunt. Don't do anything. Listen to me. How many times have you resisted temptation and not fallen for it, and then you realize, wow, I'm walking different. I have a confidence in God. I have a confidence in myself. Because you see, when I yield towards the Holy Ghost, I'm going to walk in holiness. But now compare that to the times when you could have said no and you didn't and how you felt afterwards. You see what I'm talking about? How do you feel afterwards? Ugly, dirty. You, 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 you're doing what Adam did. You want to hide from God rather than go to God. And that'll usually last a couple of days. Okay, and then you're like over the emotions. But, but compare that. The beauty of holiness as compared to the filthiness of just living like all you want to do is fulfill the flesh. Every desire, every craving, every no matter what, the difference between those two. Which one do you think is going to help you to maintain your freedom and maintain your peace? It's going to be the what? The beauty of holiness. 
You listening? Yes. Now, we have a lot of symbols in the Old Testament about that, and I'm going to wrap this up. We'll, we'll finish it next week? Yes. In the first covenant, under the first covenant, a man who is born into the lineage of the priesthood, okay, could not step into, could only go so far in the temple, could not step into going towards the Holy of Holies without washing, without putting on white garments, without putting on specific garments. Before they would go into the presence of God, there was a specific protocol. They had to wash a certain way. They had to, and, and if they had relations with even their own wife, I'm not talking about immorality now. They could not enter into the presence of God. They had to follow a specific protocol. And that speaks to us today. Now, I'm not saying that we should all be fearful, that you should never show up to church without taking a shower. I'm not talking about it. What I, what I'm, you understand what I'm saying? What I'm talking about is, have you set yourself apart on the inside? In, a, in an act of reverence. You see what I'm saying? As an act of reverence. And honestly, you're the only one that could produce that for you. You can't do it for me. I can't do it for you. Because it's an inward attitude. But it's more like an inward position. Like you are God. I am not. You listening to me? Yes. Now, I'm not saying take it to the point of being in slavery. Okay, I can't pray because I did this. I can't talk to God because, no, 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 no. Jesus took all of that. I just realized you're sitting here. I'm like, that's Jen. But are you listening to me? There needs to be this inward reverence where we are setting, in fact, Peter talks about it, sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. What, what does that thing? In other words, don't make him common to everything else in your life. Give him a special place in your life. Amen. And look, let's be even more practical. When you're faced with a temptation, faced with the opportunity to fulfill some type of physical desire, you need to think this in your mind. I could do this if I want, but this does not respect the Lord Jesus Christ. I can do this if I want, but this doesn't bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can say this if I want, but this doesn't bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, none of us are perfect in these things, okay? But being aware of it and then being very quick to say, Father, forgive me for disrespecting you. Forgive me for dishonoring you. Lord, you, you've invested so much in me. I, I don't want to dishonor you. I want you to be pleased. You listening to me? Yes. Now, compare that person with the person who just lives their life. Well, I can live my life any way I want. After all, my sins are forgiven already. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice slap in the face. I don't, have to, I don't have to ask God for forgiveness because after all, my sins have been forgiven already. Now, God knew I was going to do that. Yeah, he did, but you didn't yet. And now, what effect has it had on you? I, I'm not going to go into long, and definitely not going to go into details. 
I got born again April the 25th, 1984. Sometime in June or July of that same year, I did something more horrific than I even did before I got born again. I don't think I, I'm not making excuses, but I don't think I realized the magnitude of what had taken place on the inside. And I remember that was the very first time that I experienced remorse. It hit me so hard. Yeah, I thought I was going to die that night. That was not, that, you've heard me tell the story before. That was the first time I ever heard the audible voice of God. And this is what I heard. Most people think, you think he said to me, um, this is okay, I understand. No, he said to me, you stick with me or you're a dead man. Because he knew the course, if I went back into the life I was living before, he knew my destruction would have been imminent. You listen to what I'm saying? So now after doing something like that, if I would have just got up off the living room floor, which I was in a fetal position because it hit me so hard, what I had done, how did I get back there? How did that happen again? If I would have got up and went, well, God, you forgave my sins already, so thank you. I'm going to bed. See you tomorrow morning. What kind of honor would I have for God Almighty? What kind of reverence would I have? None at all. None at all. And I would have had no, no appreciation for the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. You listening to me? Yes. You want to stay free? Yes. Be quick to repent. Amen. Be quick to apologize. First John 1 John 1.9, everybody likes to go to that, but they don't do the whole verse. Okay, can you throw that up there real quick? First John 1.9. 1 John 1.9. Uh, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And that's where most people stop. But it's more than just being forgiven. There's, there's the rest of the verse there. There's two actions that are released when we confess our sins. Look at this. If we confess our, what, is it, what does confess our sins mean? If we say the same thing about what we just did that God says about it, okay, not try to defend it, not try to excuse it, not try to explain it. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and, say that with me, and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean, Pastor? You were declared righteous when you received Christ as your Savior. But watch this now. Every once in a while, we step out of that position and act like an unrighteous person. Now, we stepped out, God didn't put us out, and God doesn't consider us any differently, but watch this now. While I'm down here living the lower life, I pick things up. Yeah. Pastor Damola years ago used to say, if you sleep with the dog, you wake up with the fleas, okay? So what happens? You think God wants us to stay with the fleas on us? No. What happens? We confess our sins. He's faithful. No, no, go, go back. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all the fleas, all the junk we picked up while we were acting like somebody that's unsaved. You listening? 
And for some reason, those fleas go after the saved more than they go after the unsaved. Because the unsaved doesn't matter. They're not saved. You see what I'm saying? So when you accidentally step out of that position and you act like somebody that's not saved, be quick to go to 1 John 1, 9. Not so much for the forgiveness, because we know that our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. We know that. It's all under the blood. But what about the purifying? What about the purifying? That's why sometimes we say, how could so-and-so, just, just born again, spirit-filled, how could they hit rock bottom? And when you think they hit rock bottom, they find another rock bottom. Why? Because they, they might have received forgiveness, but they didn't receive cleansing. They're still sin conscious. You see what I'm saying? So, all right, we got to get out of here. Um, did you learn anything tonight? Yes. You're going to come back next week. If you come back next Wednesday, I'll be here. Yes. All right? Yes. And then uh, you guys will let me take off on Wednesday night, maybe after that? Yes. All right. That doesn't mean you don't come to church, because we have hidden cameras. All right, stand up. Let me pray over us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord God, that everything we talked about, Father, Lord, I have to believe has been inspired by you, Lord. Your spirit has led us into areas tonight, Father, that I know are impacting us. And we've received impartations from you, Lord. Just deposits of your spirit, Father. Lord, I know there were light bulbs that went off tonight. There's revelation knowledge that sprung forth. It's from our inside, from our spirit, man. And Lord, there's some that were heading towards disaster that now they're not going to step into that. I thank you, Father, for all that you do for us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. We lift our hands up to you, Father, and we bless you tonight. We just say thank you. Thank you. To you be all the glory. To you be all the honor. To you be all the praise. Thank you for transforming me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up.